Hello, welcome to our Worship Facility Podcast, Evaluating Lighting Fixture Output, CMI versus TM30, with Stephen Ellison. I'm Gene Lass, Editor of Worship Facility. Well, good afternoon. I'm Carl Barnhill from the Making Sunday Happen Podcast. I'm here with Stephen Ellison from The Light Source in Charlotte. Stephen, tell me a little bit about what you do at The Light Source and some of your background. Well, at The Light Source, I handle technical sales questions. So if you don't know how to use our hardware for rigging, I help you out. If you don't know how to deal with our lights or you need help understanding which lights to put where, I can help you out and get you going. I also then come to the trade shows and meet with people here at the trade show. Um, My background goes into um, getting a theater degree many years ago. And I have worked in the theater industry working for different integrators, rental companies, that sort of thing. Um, Been a systems lighting designer, systems engineer, rigger. Um, I am ETCP certified in theater rigging and as an electrician. If you know what ETCP is, that's the Entertainment Technician Certification Program. Pretty complex. Um, But basically, now I just relax and answer a lot of technical questions and try and help people understand. So how have you seen lighting change over the years? You've been uh, in the industry quite a long time, so tell me some of the big changes that have happened over the last, let's say, 15 years or so. Um, I would say the last 15 years, the biggest change has been the light source itself. We have gone from either incandescent as the main source of most of our ellipsoidal and par lamps, and that has shifted way over into LED. Um, There were a few other options that sort of didn't make it. There was a plasma lamp for a while, didn't really make it. The LED has taken over and really dominated the market to that point. Do you like that change? Do you prefer a more uh, can light? Do you mind the more digital smart lighting? Where do you stand? Oh, I like the digital lighting. is so much more versatile, gives us so much more options. Um, And that's basically what I'm trying to get people to understand is that the metrics, the things we're looking at to, to, to evaluate a light has changed. And this notion that we can compare it to an incandescent lamp is just old school. Okay, so walk me through that. And I'm gonna be honest here, this is a weak point. I'm not uh, a lighter. Uh, I know enough to be dangerous, uh, but you are uh, light years, pun intended, uh, <laughs> beyond me in this area. So I'm just going to be curious yep. uh, and ask you just a bunch of questions. So uh, so start me out with that. Let's evaluate light sources. Give me that from kind of a beginner level and kind of walk me through that a little bit. Okay. Well, let's just start with the title of this is they've got it wrong. It's not CMI. It's CRI okay. versus TM30. Um, CRI, let's just deal with the C and the R, color rendering. An easy way to understand that, and I thought about it, this just suddenly came to me like last week. Years ago, women would buy a makeup mirror, and it would have two vertical strips to light up the face. And you could change the color of those strips to either an amber, a white, or a blue. So if you put in the amber strip, you were putting on your makeup for the nighttime. If you put in the blue, that represented more daylight 
color temperature, and you wanted to see what that looked like. So here you're looking in the mirror for the color and getting the rendering of that color correct for your light that you're going into. Well, that's what we're trying to evaluate with our fixtures, the color rendering. How well does it work with, you know, because another good example is if I've got a play going on on stage and I've got an actress and she walks in and her dress just looked drab, very drab, yet I subtly introduce red color into the mix and her dress suddenly pops at a certain point, a very dramatic moment in the play. Now I have changed the color rendering from drab to bright red. So that is, you know, the subject we're trying to deal with is that what colors do I need to emphasize in whatever environment I'm trying to light? So color rendering. <clears throat> now, the problem that I'm running into is people are using a 1932 method of evaluating a light source. Color rendering index, they call it CRI. It is a single number factor. And it is based on using originally eight pastel shades, and they would turn on the reference light, and then they would turn on the light they were testing to compare the two. And the reference was 100, and then everything below that was obviously not as good at rendering colors. But again, we're only rendering, we're only looking at these eight colors, which they eventually added. They said, well, this is not, you know, over the years they scientifically looked at it. They added up to 15 colors, and red being one of the primary colors they added. <clears throat> but if you look at the spectrum of an incandescent lamp, it starts out real low on the blue side, and there's almost no blue. And it goes up and peaks really high in the red. So it renders red really good. It renders blue not so good. But there's no way for you to tell that from the number 82 or 85 or 90. People say, well, it's got to be at least better than 90. Well, that means it renders red real good. Well, what if I don't have a lot of red in my church? What if I don't need that? Mm -hmm. What do I want to do then? How do I work with it? You know, how can I tell whether this light is better than that light? And so that's where CRI just is old school. It needs to be stopped being used. Okay, so tell me about the TM30. Why should so I? So TM30, sure? and it usually has a dash, and there was 2018, now there's 2020. So they're updating it on a regular basis. Um, the, the, the organization IES is the one handling that. So that's the, and I can never remember what it stands for. I'm bad with acronyms. <clears throat> but IES is the lighting company, you know, the really fancy guys who do all the research. So TM30 is different. It uses 99 colors to start with. It then compares that and gives you two definite numbers. One is the fidelity and one is the gamut. Gamut refers to how much, how big an area of color does it cover. I guess that's a good way to put it. It's, you know, I can reach this color to that color to that color. Yeah. Well, different fixtures are limited in how much they cover. <clears throat> then it also provides you with a graph which shows you the reference fixture and then it shows you the fixture you're comparing and it shows you where you're off. 
So it's a colored graph in a circle that shows you the shift, shows you which direction the shift is going. And that makes a big difference because now I can see what is happening. You know, mm. it makes a lot, it gives me more data to work with than that single number which doesn't tell me which direction the problem is. So a lot more options, a lot more to work with, a lot more information. A lot more information, gotcha. yeah. Okay, so for the lighting guy on Sunday, let's talk about programming and things, things like that. How, bring me into that world. How does this matter for that guy? Well, <clears throat> this makes no difference to that guy. <clears throat> what makes a difference is if I can take that light and now adjust what it can color render. That's where the incandescent lamp had no, it was it. I mean, a good example is it's got no blue. Well, as doing rock and roll concerts, you wanted this heavy Congo blue. If you ever heard of Congo blue, <clears throat> gels were put in front of incandescent lamps. And you rated the gel by how much transmission, meaning if it's red and it's giving you 80% transmission, that's most of the light in the red, but it had a lot of red to begin with. Congo blue was about 8%, meaning it was only 8% of blue light in that coming out of that filament. The rest of it was being absorbed by the filter. That's why the blue filter burn up so quick. Well, now, if I take a source, an LED source, that has white LEDs, red LEDs, green LEDs, blue LEDs, some have amber LEDs, some have lime green, with those colors available... Now I can mix, and this is where this makes a difference to the guy mixing the board. I can say, well, for this set, or I'm working with that background, which is coming off of the um, LED wall, because LED walls put out a lot of light. But I can look at the color that we're going to be using for all the graphics. What is the background looking like? I can now tune my light to put out more of that color and less of the other because I can make a blend. So now I've got the ability to say, well, generically, the white LEDs give me this look. But the fact that I've got all the other colors, now I can shift, I can play with what will be the CRI index. I can make it whatever I want. I can add a lot of red and suddenly I'm making 100. But the spectrum doesn't look right. Gotcha. So you're doing a workshop tomorrow. Uh, More in-depth, yeah. On this topic. What are some other things from that workshop that you want people to know that you're going to communicate? Um, I'm just, I will actually have the graphs and the information, the data, to show what does it look like. What, is it, what do these spectrums look like? Mm -hmm. So we can review the spectrum and show them where the differences are and what it is. Because... The guy, that's why I'm saying it, it helps when you're evaluating fixtures to know what it can do. Well, I can say the white LEDs will give me this TM30 data. But if I've got colors available, then I could tune it. One of the big fun things with LEDs is they want tunable white. Well, tunable white would mean I can take a 2700K LED, maybe... 3,500 and a 6,000 and blend them together. Well, I'd actually rather start with a 3,000 a 3, K LED in white and have red, green, and blue. Mm -hmm. Because then I can really 
not only play with the color temperature, but I can play with the color rendering. And the color rendering, that's the idea, is like, I've got a nice red shirt. Well, I want that to pop, then I'm going to want to have enough red coming out of that LED. Right. And we're talking subtle pastels, possibly. Mm -hmm. We're not talking necessarily intense color to change all that. Um, whereas it can be fun with the intense colors. That's a whole other fun part, but that's a whole other thing about design. So what are some things that you've picked up over the years that you would tell a young lighting guy getting into this field? Or maybe yourself years well, ago. <clears throat> yeah, years ago. Years ago, we didn't have what we've got. It's that you're going... Um, one, I mean, it used to be very simple. You plugged your incandescent lamp into a dimmer, and you had control over that dimmer, and you could only control intensity. Now everything is going to be multi-channel. Mm. You really do need to learn networking because you're going to network your lighting system because it's going to be that much more complex. Where 512 channels of DMX sounded like massive. I mean, four dimmer racks was, you know, two dimmer racks is 192 dimmers. And it's like, that's a lot. Some theaters would have maybe four or eight. That's still way below. And there was nothing else using DMX yeah. until you got the color scrollers. And then they're only using one channel. So it's like, now you've got media servers using up 256 channels. You know, an LED, if it's got white, red, green, blue, lime, amber, that's six channels. Well, they might add another couple channels because they're going to give you automatic choices of color. So it's like a virtual color wheel. Yeah. I can use 10 channels, you know? Yeah. So yeah. you really need to learn that as a lighting guy needs to understand how to program, how to use these new, and the consoles are much more complex. <laughs> Good. Well, man, as we wrap up, tell us how people can get in touch with you. How can we learn more about what you have to share? Well, I'm available at the Light Source. It's pretty simple. It's S R E for my name, S R E at thelightsource.com. Awesome. Stephen, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. No problem. Anytime. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Tune in next time for In-Ear Monitors 101 with Greg Shields. I'm Gene Lass, editor of Worship Facility.